You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Wow, oh wow. Scripture says even rocks will cry out in praise. And I could hear the rocks crying out. I could feel the trees swaying. Praise God. I so deeply love this group of people. You guys are amazing, and I'm quite thankful to, to be with you. I, uh, am, I know that you've done this already, but we have been blessed over the last couple of weeks to hear from our elder chair preaching the Word of God from here, PD. We've been blessed to hear from our new youth minister, Gerald Cunningham, to hear him preach the Word of God. And I know you have been blessed, as I have, to be able to hear God's Word proclaimed through these folks And I know you'll affirm and express your appreciation to them. So please, if you haven't already done that, just thank PD and thank Gerald. We do have some very important people with us today. And yes, I mean you. But I mean some people that are online and that are here in our presence. Very important folks that are heading back to school this week. Right? These These are our lifeblood. These are young people who are devoting themselves to their education, and we are so excited for this new year for them, for what school will look like. And I know that they already know these type things, that we really value their education, that we want to invest in their education, we want good teachers and good classrooms and a good experience. I know they know that, but we want to say again how very important our young people are. And so I want to invite them to stand. So if you're online watching us, I want you to stand up there where you're at. If you are going to be a new, I'm going to ask specific groups here. If you're going to be a new kindergartner, I want you to stand up there in front of the screen, or if you're here with us today. If you're going to be new in middle school, I'd like you to stand up. Yes. If you're going to be a freshman in high school. No, keep standing up. Keep standing up. These are very important people. We cannot let you stand, sit down. If you're going to be a freshman in high school, or if you're going to be beginning in college, I'd like you to stand. These folks are in some new transitions as it is, right? They're going into a new school, a new year, and we want to invite now everyone who's going back to school, all of our young people, even kindergartners to the most seasoned college folks, to stand up. And what we want to do today is bless you. Bless all of you that are going back to school. Okay? And here, here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to use the, the, the number six passage. So if you will, uh, I'm going to ask those that are going back to school to maybe open up their hands to receive this blessing. And if you want to, you can look around the room and maybe direct your hand towards one of these young people. And let's all together pray this prayer of blessing. You don't have to say it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord Lift His countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord bless you with peace, with shalom. Amen. You can be seated. Now I know there's a lot of newness, a lot of change that's coming this fall. As adults and administrators are talking about this, they are making strategic and careful plans. And it is hard work, isn't it? So if we have in the room an administrator or a teacher, 
or a staff person that's involved in our APS or any of our private or public uh, schools, I'm going to invite you to stand. Because we know that your job, your work, is significant and extra challenging right now. And I want you folks to know that what is most important is our kids, right? We want them to love learning. We want them to feel that we value and love them, right? That's what we're about. The information, yeah, it will get dispensed, maybe in different ways. The, the setup, the methods, it will be different as we adjust from desks to Chromebooks and devices and iPads and, and different hotspots, right? It will be different as teachers adjust from a classroom to looking into the window of a class screen. But I want you folks to know how important you are and that we want to offer the same blessing for you. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Whenever, whenever we come to a point like this, the beginning of a new school year, we need a good passage. We need a tried and true passage. So I'm going to invite all of us now to stand and hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God has charged me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are about to cross and to occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord, the Lord your God, all the days of your life, and keep all of his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that that may go well with you, so that you may multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our, is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Find your seats. I remember whenever I would go back to school, that night before I was to go back to school, I would get pretty nervous. Do you remember this feeling? Do you know this feeling? Are you living in this feeling? Is it, am I ready for what's going to happen tomorrow and for the rest of the year? 
Did my last school, did my last school district, did the last city or state that I lived in, did it prepare me for what I'm about to face? Because all those teachers in those first weeks of school are there to scare you to death, right? To scare you within an inch of your life on that first few weeks of school. Here are all the rules. This is what we're going to be about. And so I just didn't know if I could do it. Was I ready? Maybe other people were ready, but maybe I'm not ready. Have you had that feeling before? Could be before you start a new job. It could be in a number of circumstances in your life. Well, I would find that when I would get in, even to that first day, and for sure the first few weeks, I would see that, yes, it's going to be hard, it's going to be new, but it's not the last grade I was in. It's the next grade. So I kind of expected that. And I figured out that I could do it. And I want you to hear me say, young people and administrators, you can do this. You really can. This is going to be a good school year. In fact, it has the possibility to be one of the best school years that you've had. That's always out there. It's always out ahead of us as a possibility that we can step into what is next and embrace it. Sure, we're going to worry about different ways that information is dispensed or different methodologies. We're going to worry about all of those things, but when it comes down to it, what we're doing is trying to inspire a desire to chase the mysteries of the world. We want to instill in these young people a desire to ever be learning. A desire that I hope is true of all of us. Well, last summer, the Bryce family, we did not take a vacation. We moved to come and be with you. <laughs> that was our vacation. This year, we thought, you know, with a senior in high school graduating going off and with a a girl who's finishing her freshman year, we thought, we need to do a vacation. But we all know what happened, right? COVID hits. And like all of you, all of those uh, options began to become more and more limited about what could be done. Where it couldn't be with people, and it couldn't be something exotic, it had to be something a little different. So what our family decided to do is that we wanted to go take the Bryces into the wild. We wanted to go into the forest and just see if we could make it. <laughs> and, you know, we've not done this together as a family. We've done camping. We've done, we've done a lot of outdoor things. But to take only what you can carry and try to exist for three days out in the wild where you've got to find your own water and cook your own food, that was something new to the Bryces. Now, I didn't really know how all of us would do. And... I will say that we all survived. We all brought our A games. Everyone had a good attitude. That was the part that most impressed me. There just really wasn't any difficulties. We, we, we crossed those thresholds and did very well. Now, I, I say we, didn't, we escaped without a scratch. When we got back out of the wild and we were eating some pizza, I think a few people lost fingers because we were so ready to, to eat something that wasn't boiled over a pot. But it was great. Now, a long, long time ago, there was a group of people that also headed out into the wild, headed out into the wilderness, with their heads full of God's promises, that there was going to be a promised land, that they were going to have settled homes that weren't slave homes any longer. 
This, again, is the formative story of the Old Testament, where the Hebrew people were enslaved to the Egyptians, but God just brought them out. God delivered them. As they walked out of Egypt, they walked into the wilderness with these promises in mind. And the point where we get to this story is that some time had passed. Actually, a lot of time had passed. Now, I said the Bryces did three days in the wilderness. Some of you might have done a lot more than that. I don't know that we were ready to do a week or a month. And I know we weren't ready for a year or for decades. Forty years. This group of former slaves had been wandering around in the wilderness trying to find their way. Wondering if God really meant anything with these promises. Because nothing was concrete. There was no foundation for their houses. There was just more and more dust. Who cares that my shoes didn't wear out? I don't have a place to lay my head that's mine. I don't have a mailbox and an address. Well, as they continued to began to wonder whether or not these promises were going to be fulfilled, whether or not they were going to come to pass, I have to think a little bit about what school looked like. You ever thought about that? What does school look like when you're now free, you're out from under the oppressive sandal of the Egyptian, but you're out in the wilderness? Well, I have to imagine that they didn't have chalkboards. They didn't have a lot to be written down. It was oral. These were stories that were shared. These were songs that were sung. There were no devices other than the oral presentation of the formative stories that had made this group of people. The promises that were being given to them. As Moses told them over and over again about Yahweh and about what it was to follow them. School looked different. So here in this moment, as they're wandering around, it is the prime moment to give up. To give up on the group and just leave the wilderness. To give up on God who says a lot of things, or Moses tells us he says a lot of things. Give up on God, give up on and abandon these leaders to question them, to doubt them, to walk away from them, or even to doubt the very system that they're a part of. What does it mean to be a Hebrew anyway? Why should I stick with this group of people? Can you relate to this wandering time of raising lots of questions and of wondering really what is next? What should happen next? Well, in this book called Deuteronomy, it's the second telling of the law. And I know it's probably just at least the second telling. As Moses begins to unpack things, the first five chapters are God speaking speaking these ten words or the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of that before? Some people have heard of the Ten Commandments. That's a fairly familiar one. Well, when we get to chapter 6, what we just read, they've been hearing a lot of these words from God, and Moses steps forward to preach, steps forward to speak, because the obvious question after you hear a lot of rules read is, okay, well, what does that mean? What is that all about anyway? And that's what Moses begins to unpack for us here in chapter 6. This is what you do with the Ten Commandments. And your version might be a little different, but in that verse 1, Moses says, this is the commandment. It's singular. Some translators put plural because then there are like five or six words for commandments and instructions and decrees. But this is the commandment. He wants to make it 
the singular, all-encompassing word. A word that Jews are familiar with. A word that becomes for them a daily prayer. A prayer that's prayed every day, in the morning, in the evening. A prayer that they even took literally about binding onto their bodies. This was meant to be ingested in them almost, where they tied up scriptures and wrapped them around their wrists and on their forehead, these phylacteries that had passages of scripture on them. When God said it, they just took it to a literal extreme. They even put it around the doorposts of their, of their doors as a reminder. Their technology was not an iPhone, but a doorpost. And strange jewelry that looks a little odd, but they were ingesting and taking this into their very bodies. Very familiar to Jews, the Shema prayer. Also very familiar to Christians, right? Whenever Jesus is asked, hey, can you sum up the whole law? Can you tell us what all is there? He comes back to these couple of verses as the greatest command. Pairs it with another one from Numbers, right? Or from Leviticus but comes to this passage as a summary of the whole of the law. Well, take a look again. Hear, O Israel, in verse 5, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. This is familiar, but I want to take it further. It's familiar to Jews, it's familiar to Christians, but I want us to go further because I believe it can provide us footing on these days before the beginning of a new semester. I believe it can provide footing not just for a brand new uh, middle schooler or kindergartner or college student, but for all of us. All of us can benefit from the footing that's provided here as we wander through this pandemic together. Now, what if every day you did the same thing and you repeated the same words? What would happen if you're saying even these same words over and over again? So things are pretty obvious, right? You would memorize it fairly quickly. Probably by the end of a week, you've got this memorized, if, if not sooner. In fact, you might even find yourself being able to not need to read it anymore because it's in your mind. You might even get to the point where you just are unconsciously saying the words of this prayer, right? That's what happens whenever something is done over and over and over again. Now, rote and repetition get a bit of a bad rap where sometimes we're saying, oh, don't do rote prayers, don't. Well, it gets a bad rap in that it's only bad if you don't follow it. Repetition is good because it can help put it close to your heart so that you can follow it. The things that we hear over and over again from our families, from our bosses, the things that we tell ourselves, they have something of a formative power on us. And if they're positive, if they're God-focused, then those words that we hear or those words that we tell ourselves, that's good. Sometimes they're negative. Sometimes those words need to be slapped back to be more God-focused, 
to be intent on who we really are before God. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 provides some really good words for us. Words that it wouldn't be half bad as a student or administrator we're saying at the beginning of our school day. And we're saying at the end of our school day. Not because someone's given us permission or signed an order for it, but because it's who we are. No one can take prayer away from us. Prayer is a part of our identity. And this prayer comes with an extended warranty. It's not just good in the 6th century B.C. or in the 1st century, or it's still good even today. In the 21st century, it is a good prayer. Well, as we dig down deeply into these verses, I notice that it's so simple. I mean, I like to unpack things and see how they work, but this is very simple. A couple of questions are answered here that are quite helpful for us. The identity of God, and second, how we're to respond to who God is. And I find that this clear, simple truth helps me. As the fear machine of the television blares on, as the venom and the anger and the hostilities ooze forth from social media, I need good words that form me and shape me deep down. And these are good words. It starts out with this theological word of who God is. Yahweh, the all-caps Lord, is God. Now in these two, he unpacks it, the prayer unpacks it a little bit more deeply, but Yahweh is our God. We get the very word that Moses was given to, to identify God as a name. I am that I am. The great I am. Here it is. You want to know who I am? I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. If you want to look for the primary identity of God in the Hebrew Scriptures, this is it. God is the God who took a group of people who were enslaved and not only brought them out of Egypt, but they left Egypt with armloads of Egypt's gold. And they didn't have to even worry about a battle. God swept up things behind them. And they walk out of Egypt a free people. If you want to know who God is, Yahweh God is the Deliverer. Now there's several more things. Not only is Yahweh God, but second, Yahweh is our God. Now there are other gods out there, but they all fall, they all fail in comparison to Yahweh, the great I Am. Yahweh is our God. And it's not meant to be thought of in the possessive, like somehow we hold on to God. No, this is the God that has possessed us. The God who has taken us out of Egypt. Not anything that we can pat ourselves on the back for. We didn't institute the plagues. God brought them out. So this our God is simply to identify the God that has hold of them. So Yahweh's God, Yahweh is our God, and Yahweh is God alone. Yahweh is the only God for us. Leaves every God behind in the dust, and this becomes the confessional prayer, the basis for understanding the character of God. So that's the big thing right there, identifying who God is. In this simple little prayer, Yahweh is our God, God alone. 
The second move is what do you do when you've got a God like this? And this prayer prompts all of us to the proper response as being love. Now that, that's rather unique. Among all the other many gods that were out there at the time, and there were a lot, this was uh, no singular focused god at the times. We wanted a plethora of gods way back in these centuries. But God here is singular, and he demands our love, our all-encompassing trust, our desire to follow God. So how we respond is kind of the more practical, this unique aspect of love. Not other, other gods didn't command love or invite us into that relationship of love. It invites us into a place where we don't just say, God is God. God alone, he's our God. But we live it. It's not just something that we confess, but it's who we are deep at our core. And Moses provides us kind of this physical and spiritual way of thinking about it. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. It's not really a need or time today to go into that full-bodied response. But heart is your ability to choose, your will, even your intellect. Your soul is something much bigger. It integrates everything together. There's a part of you that's bigger than you even know, that you're only coming to recognize who you are. And then your, your might or your strength is your physical body, your ability to use who you are in this world for good or for bad. To love God with all of our might is to use all of our strength and our body to have that place in the world as a representative for God. And like I said, today we're not diving into all of those because we really don't want to splice them all up into different segments of the human. We want to keep them collected together as one human being. This prayer packs a powerful punch. I mean, we've only talked about it for a few minutes. It's a foundation. It is a place that we can go to. It can be recited. It can be shared. It can be passed on. It's a way that we could bless our kids to let them know how loved they are, to let them know about who God is. In fact, like every great story that gets passed down, this one gets passed down because of a child's question. In chapter 6, verse 20, Moses says, hey, whenever your children ask, what, is, what are all these commands? What does that mean? I mean, isn't that just like us as kids too? And I'm talking to gray-headed kids. Like, okay, we hear all that, but what does it really mean? How do, you, how do you bring it down where I can understand it? Whenever kids ask those questions of all ages, Moses gives the command. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love Yahweh God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Now that's important. And that's not something that you have to pack into your backpack for school. That takes it a step further. It moves us out of just being worried about how do we explain this prayer, how do we talk about this prayer, to actually how do we use this prayer? How do we live this prayer? How can I personify this prayer in everything that I'm doing? There's a lot that we do as adults to kind of 
offload our education onto other groups. Like, that's APS's responsibility. That's, that's the teacher or the school's responsibility. Don't we do this in a lot of places? Oh, we need the church to make sure and educate our kids. Pushing off responsibility onto other people. That's somebody else's job. That's the coach's job to teach my kids about morality or how to live or what ethics are. Do we even sometimes do this unconsciously of the amount of time that we spent in front of Netflix offloading our training online to, to just be whatever we read, whatever we come across? How is it that we might embody this desire for education? To not just be blaming someone else, but to take it on. Maybe like those early Hebrews as they wandered through the wilderness, trying to find their way. Sharing through oral, through speech, through speaking, important things. Years ago, Donna and I decided that for a time we were going to homeschool our kids. All of the work was on Donna's shoulders on this. But one of the things that she was resolute about was the reading of good books. In fact, we saw over and over again, your number one goal is to get people to love learning. And the way that you do that is through good books, good literature. And uh, I, I find this surprising, but a marker of a child's success is whether or not they have adults in their life that read stories to them. Isn't that interesting? Even today. And I know some of you grandparents are doing this. You're doing it over FaceTime. You're, you're doing it through maybe a Zoom or a Google Hangout. You're reading to your grandkids. You're reading to even your children if you're a parent, if you're having to be away, right? How is it that we could not offload our education to others, but take that and claim that for ourselves? How can you students, as you hear the teacher make an assignment, not just do the bare minimum, but do more? Not just meet the assignment goals, but read more, learn more, chase down those things that you are interested. That is something that will bless you for your whole life. If you find your education being a journey of you and God together, walking through life as God unpacks for you the mysteries of the universe, that can be very, very exciting. This prayer packs a powerful punch. I hope it's blessed you this morning as much as it has me in returning to it and studying it again and, and diving in, learning about the identity of God and learning about who I am in response to this God, that Yahweh is God. Yahweh is our God. God alone. And may we love this God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so ever-present. So ever-present in chaos and times of difficulty. Thank you for being our real leader. We know we're not following Pharaohs. We know we're not even necessarily following Moses. We're not following our pet leaders or pet parties. We're, we're, we're not worried about those things because you are God alone. You are our leader. And help us to become resolute, focused on how we might live our lives with you this day and every day. 
We thank you for this ancient prayer that we've been able to study and look at. We pray that it won't be just something that we've learned or heard, but that we'll actually practice it. Use it. Bring it into our new school year together. Thank you, God, for the way that you walk with us through Jesus. And we thank you for reigning with him and the Holy Spirit as one God now and forever. Amen.